The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature, or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas desert and energy industry, who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble, because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good evening, WWM listeners. Today, we're talking about joining Jesus on his mission. So let me begin with a quote from Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28. Here it goes. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. So today's wrestling topic is loving our neighbors. Between politics and pandemics, much has been done to fracture neighborhoods and loving our neighbors. (laughs) So today's guest is an expert on neighboring and has dedicated his life and ministry to it and discipling other followers of Christ. Greg Finke is executive director of Dwelling 114. Greg Finke, welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man. Well, hello there, David. It is uh, really glad uh, to be with you and with your audience and excited to uh, to sort things through and see how we might be able to join Jesus on his mission. Well, fantastic. So, Greg, can you take a moment to tell us about Dwelling 114 and what is meant by missional living? Yeah, thank you. It's uh, Dwelling 114 comes from the Bible verse John 114, which is the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And really what what that means is, you know, if we fancy ourselves to be followers of Jesus, you know, not just worshipers of Jesus on Sunday or studiers of Jesus in our Bible classes, but if we really fancy ourselves to be uh, following the resurrected spirit of Jesus on the loose in our community, we're going to really find ourselves being on mission with him. We're going to find ourselves uh, being with, hanging out with, dwelling with people who are living without the grace and truth of his Father. Uh, That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus is doing and invites us to follow him and join him. And Dwelling 114 then simply comes alongside uh, churches and, and, and groups of Christians who are willing and ready to, to be re-discipled, if you will, retrained to not just worship and study Jesus, but to follow him and join him on his mission. And so that really is kind of the meat and potatoes of, of, our, of our ministry, is coming alongside Christians uh, and churches for that kind of training process. Well, I think that's uh, something that is in great demand today, and I think people may have recognized it. You know, when we've had a little more time to be quiet by ourselves during the pandemic when many things were, you know, not available that normally distract us. And I think people have kind of begun to wonder, hmm, you know, is this is this what I want out of church and worship? And so uh, I think it's a yeah. terrific, a terrific the, offering. Well, and, and even those that, that do, you know, come to worship uh, and receive the gifts of God through worship, 
we then go home and 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 tend not to realize uh, how many people are around us that need a little bit of what we just received in abundance. So, you know, we go home and we go to our neighborhood and we're within probably 50 feet of people that don't know Jesus. Um, you know, we go to work and we're within a few feet of people that don't know Jesus. Our kids go to school and they're within literally five feet of other kids that don't know Jesus. And, um, and so being able to live missionally simply means that I live on purpose. I live with a sense of purpose, that I receive abundantly from the Father, His love, His forgiveness, His truth, His grace. And then I go out and I look for ways to offer a little bit of that to my neighbors, my coworkers, my, my, my classmates, you know, not in weird and clingy ways, right? Not in salesman ways, but right. in ways that truly show we notice and care and want to respond uh, in ways that make a difference for other people. And those are the seeds, right? Those are the seeds that then eventually uh, can have opportunity to sprout and grow. And now all of a sudden we're having conversations with people that, um, you know, are very close to the kingdom of God, as Jesus said. Right. Well, let's talk about your evolution into this ministry. So you were a pastor from 1989 until January of 2011, when you realized you couldn't remain a senior pastor and do what Jesus was calling you to do. So you had gotten some nudging, you know, on your conscience about that. So on your website, you state that you had avoided clarity about what Jesus actually meant by the kingdom of God. So he started to wrestle with you to teach you and show you. So I find that very fascinating because I love wrestling. <laughs> so tell our yeah. listeners more about your personal wrestling match. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, and I wouldn't even say it was so much I was avoiding clarity as I just, I just was oblivious to it. You know, you read the, uh, the gospels, for instance, and, and there are words and, and, uh, teachings that you've heard all your life. And we, we never really, uh, or at least I often don't stop and really dig into what, what's he actually mean there? And, um, you know, so often we're, we're concerned about, you know, how are we right with God and how are we going to go to heaven after we die? And yet Jesus has so much to say about living in the reality of, of his kingdom now for the good of others. And frankly, I just, I looked right through that. I didn't, I didn't even know that's what he was talking about. And several years ago, you know, at, when I was a pastor, it just kind of began to dawn on me that Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And that, frankly, if one of my members uh, of our church came up and asked me about that, I would have kind of a long, convoluted, very perhaps academic-sounding answer, but I really didn't have much clarity uh, or or a simple answer for, for them, much less myself. And that's where, literally, I can't take any credit for it. God just literally started messing with me. Um, there, there used to, I mean, literally, there would be like a book that my eye would be drawn to in a in a uh, in a Christian bookstore, and and it would be about the kingdom of God. And so, began to accumulate a few of those, and spent one summer just really digging in and chasing those words through the New Testament, getting some insights from uh, wiser uh, writers than myself with commentaries and what, and was able to finally come to a clarity about what the kingdom is. And and how we are invited to participate in it, and that's really where the book "Joining Jesus on His Mission," our our first book, came from, was this wonderful reality that the kingdom of God is really the presence and activity of God in our daily lives. 
and uh, not just in church on Sunday. Turns out God does more than go to church on Sunday. He's on the loose in our neighborhoods. And, you know, in the person of Jesus and the Gospels, we have God inviting us to uh, come follow him so that we can be trained to be participants in his mission, the reason the kingdom of God is broken into the world, to redeem and restore all things, to uh, that all people would come to uh, the knowledge of God's love and grace and truth. Well, so anyway, that that uh, is what we, you know, finally kind of popped out on the other side of it going, well, for heaven's sakes, that makes perfect sense. Well, that's interesting because, you know, here I am, retirement age, and, and I was given a book or re- one recommended to me by Brian Runge here at the, the station called Houses That Change the World. Uh, the author is Wolfgang Simpson, and it's been just really captivating. I finished it. And I think you both are onto something. But let me give you this quote from his book. It says, The congregational type of church is geared toward stage performance. The emphasis is on conducting the meeting, delivering the message, performing the functions, celebrating the rites. The bottom line is that with so many spectators involved, it is not a discipleship structure at all. That was pretty... uh, I don't know, impactful to me. You know, in our preparation yeah. you know, for this interview, you and I discussed how the pandemic has dealt a severe blow to many churches. In fact, thousands have shut down completely. So share with us your thoughts on this seismic shift in what people seem to be craving these days and how this old congregational model is failing to meet those needs. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really is the pandemic and, and even the, you know, the, 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 the various types of political strife out there has kind of simply exposed what already was a very weak spot in our uh, kind of strategy of how we, uh, our church participated in church and lived out being church. Um, we, we, over the years and centuries even, we have more and more congregated, that's the word congregation, right? Congregated mm-hmm. around our our buildings and our rites and our 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 ceremonies and our services. And uh and we thought that was kind of the point of being a Christian. You do that until you die and go to heaven. And uh and what we forgot was that we actually uh were indeed redeemed and restored uh, and we are invited by God to come together and receive his gifts. We call it worship as a congregation. That's great. But we forgot that that was a means to the greater end, that there's a mission, and that the mission is that we would receive all that good stuff in worship and then go out and share it with those who did not yet have it. And unfortunately, uh, we we have now, therefore, uh, kind of transform discipleship more into uh, uh, kind of uh, scholarship or church membership, rather than it being really about uh, us uh, being in relationship with each other to uh, uh, encourage each other and spur each other on to love and good works, as it says in Hebrews 10, for the sake of our neighbors. And so that's why so few congregations are relevant. Um, that it was easy for thousands of congregations to shut down because, you know, once they weren't able to deliver their services, the people had no real relational connection beyond that. And they certainly had lost track of the mission a long time ago. So, um, this gives us as church leaders the great opportunity now to, um, 
redouble our investment in connecting our people in relationship for the sake of discipleship so that then they are being trained and encouraged and shown how to live a life of love and join Jesus on his mission in our daily lives. Yeah, houses that change the world. That's how it happened in uh, the early decades of the church, and indeed it will still be the way it really ends up uh, being impactful on the neighborhoods and communities of the world uh, even today. I I think you're exactly right. I just believe that this is uh, a big uh, inflection point, if you will, of the church. You know, from your website, it says Dwelling 114 is not about changing Sunday mornings, but about what happens the rest of the week out there in the world where your congregation lives. You know, we have found that when people support each other in seeking the kingdom and joining Jesus in everyday life, really cool things begin to happen regularly. So how does Dwelling 114 and missional living differ from traditional church to to meet those needs? Yeah, I think the the, the big uh, difference is not so much that we change what we do on Sunday, but rather we see Sunday as the uh, the means, the motivation, the launch point for the real adventure, which is following Jesus and joining him on his mission the rest of the week. And that's just, again, been our blind spot. It's, it's, it's been what we, um, you know, we, we tend to come together. We have our services. We have our studies. We have our uh, fellowship time. Uh, that comes to a conclusion. We hug each other. We say, hey, see you next week. And, yep. and then we're off <laughs> duty until we get back together. And uh, and the re- and the reality is is that you know Sunday morning doesn't need to change because that what we can do on Sunday morning is is kind of what Jesus did with the crowds right he proclaimed the good news of God and that's what we're doing on Sunday we're proclaiming the good news of God and responding in worship but what Jesus what we forget is that the discipleship process the training process of Jesus was not just proclamation but also imitation which is come follow me and let me show you how to live out my teachings for the good of others. And that's why Jesus called the, the, his followers as well as us to actually get up off our pews and, and follow him out into the world because that's where the training, the on-the-job training happens. And we become better at um, noticing what God's already up to and uh, caring about the people that are around us regularly and learning how to love them and serve them and laugh with them and practice hospitality with them, just like Jesus did, for the sake of being able to share our lives, shine some light, be some salt, and uh, and see you know the good news of God start to be something that others um, uh, not only hear about but experience and and start to trust and believe. Wow, I mean, so. A house church. So in, in Wolfgang Simpson's book, it says, what are they? The house church is a way of living the Christian life communally in ordinary homes through supernatural power. I like that. House churches emerge mm-hmm. when truly converted people stop living their own life for their own ends. Boy, don't we need that. Start living a community life according to the values of the kingdom of God and start to share their life and resources with those Christians and not yet Christians around themselves. And then he, he mm-hmm. says, true community starts where individualism ends. And we must be at the zenith of individualism, or I'd even call it narcissism today in our society. And so I think uh, it's just very fascinating. He makes another comment about, about church leadership. And he said, the core issue is this. We may want to train many new leaders, 
But God the Father wants us simply to raise spiritual sons. And I really like that. There's a big difference between training leaders and raising spiritual sons. So, Right, yeah. Can you tell us how discipleship really is at the core of what you do, and that is what loving our neighbor truly means, that discipleship? Yeah, so, you know, if we, again, a a lot of people uh, are in a congregation. They're not in a house church, right? But but if we can see that uh, the congregational gathering is about proclamation, you know, hearing from a qualified preacher teacher, and then we go to our homes and gather with other Christ followers to then that's the place where we have the opportunity for discipleship because that's where we have the opportunity for relationship. Um, Hebrews thirteen seven says, "Take note of your leaders' uh, outcome of your leaders' way of life, and uh, imitate their faith." So. By getting together in homes with other Christ followers, we're able to take note of the outcome of our way of life as we live out the teachings of Jesus for the good of others, and and then learn from each other and be influenced by each other and help shape one another, and uh, you know if you will raise up spiritual sons and daughters, and 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 we that you know that really Sunday morning is a, not a, really about that. That's about getting you know, uh, dozens or hundreds or thousands together to hear the Word. But then gathering in homes, that's about relationship and lifestyle put into practice so that we can encourage each other, spur each other on, learn from each other, be accountable to one another. And uh, like you said, the individualism, uh, there, there's, you know, there might be a, a place for that in, in a variety of ways in our culture, but not in terms of where relationship is so important, our marriages, our families, and our church families. And uh, it's in the context of relationship that we help each other grow in our uh, trust in Jesus and in imitating his lifestyle for the good of others. And by imitating his lifestyle for the good of others, that by definition is missional, because me living out the ways of Jesus is it brings uh, hope and redemption and good news and love and help and laughter uh, to people that need it so badly. Well, that's, you know, there was another book I read called The Biggest Lie in the History of Christianity, and basically it was by Matthew Kelly, and it says that that holiness is not possible, but he talks about the first century church as well, and he said it was just so in contrast to the Roman world at the time because it, it was irresistible because it was so attractive because there wasn't anything else like it. You know, they took people in, they cared for the sick. And that's, you know, when the pandemic happened, all of us were isolated. We were at home. We were working remotely. Our children were, you know, having to just try to learn, you know, via laptops and Zoom. And I think that sense of community, which probably didn't exist, you know, really in a healthy way at that time anyway, but at least for me personally, I became much more aware of a, of a gnawing hunger for community, you know, because we're, yeah. we're we're basically you know atomized apart. And I think that's the work of Satan. This is a this is a right. spiritual warfare battle. And I'm thinking that God used something that was evil, like the pandemic, that Satan was trying to do to isolate us and break us all apart, to make us more aware of this need and this hunger for community. And that's why I think this is a time where churches will be smaller and and there will be many more of them so that uh, it's this living, you know, in community. So I'm very excited about what you're doing. Tell us just real quickly about these, this training. Let's, let's say that uh, we have listeners out there. This is resonating with, and they're like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I, 
I quit going to church, you know, and I started watching different programs and, you know, yeah, that's a great program. But what I want is relationship. I want missional living, you know, so joining Jesus on his mission is, is a book that you've written. And that's kind of like the, uh, the entry point or the on-ramp. And then you have a, a second book that's Jesus, uh, joining Jesus, show me how, which is the discipleship. And then you have a third book coming out. Why don't you just quickly tell us about, uh, the books, uh, where they might be available and how people can access this material. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity. The ultimately, what what we're trying to help people do is uh, they have delegated to the to the professionals at church mission and discipleship. Uh, we delegate to them because we think it must be very complicated. You have to have a big brain, you have to be spiritually pure, and we have all these you know kind of vague, scary things in our head. And we uh, uh, so our training, the first thing is we clarify and simplify, you know, how we can join Jesus on his mission, that we're not saving people. We're called to love people. Jesus saves. We love people. And then Jesus saves people through love and truth. And so, you know, that's the first part is clarifying and simplifying. And then once people kind of have that paradigm shift, that light bulb goes on, they go, for heaven's sakes, I can do this. Then we uh, help them identify a simple plan for putting that into play in their own lives. And then the congregation, uh, whether that's the congregation as a whole or, you know, smaller groups of the congregation, how they can support uh, and encourage and hold one another lovingly accountable to uh, following that, you know, simple, biblical, personal plan for joining Jesus. Um, and so that that process of clarifying and simplifying we can do with a kind of a, a, uh, a on-site workshop. And then we have uh, monthly Zoom uh, conversations helping people implement then those uh, their plan and gain traction in joining Jesus and showing their family and Christian friends how to do the same. Um, so the, the two books that you mentioned, Joining Jesus on His Mission and Show Me How, are kind of those stepping stones for that clarifying and simplifying so then we can get together and have a simple plan for implementation. The third book is called Joining Jesus as a Family, How to Raise Your Children to Be Followers of Jesus. And again, people for now decades and centuries have delegated you know, the discipleship of children to the church. And now we're really realizing in our day and age that that hasn't been working. They're walking away from the faith rather than engaging it as as young adults. And the biggest part of that is because uh, we've overlooked the fact that God designed children to be discipled by their parents. And uh, how however parents, however parents are living out their faith, how whatever kind of Jesus follower their parents are, the kids are going to kind of uh, absorb that and replicate that. They're going to become a version of that. And so joining Jesus as a family simply is, hey, how did Jesus raise up people, uh, his followers, and then how can we apply that to our own family? So we're raising up Jesus followers that are fired up, uh, courageous, humble, full of love, uh, going out into their, uh, into their lives uh, to join Jesus and and to and to be a part of of that redemptive adventure. Okay, well, man, this has been a terrific show. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Electronic Restoration Services. You know, if you have to deal with loss, lightning, and these spring storms, perhaps, and your electronic equipment gets fried, they can help restore it. So call ERS Electronic Restoration Services. You can email us at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail dot com. 
to offer input and suggestions or feedback on any of our programs. And I'll just close this out with a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Greg Finke and for what he's doing in the discipling. That is what people really need. We don't need to be, you know, in our heads. We need to be in our hearts. And that's just loving one another. And we can all do that. We're all qualified. We have different spiritual gifts. But just help us to use our gifts to love one another, grow your kingdom, and bring more into it. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. We believe the winners in this ring. Courageously follow God's word. Love and protect God's woman. Excel at God's work. Batters God's world and his children. For more information, reach out to David and Pastor Aaron at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.